Pastor Henry Horner and the Renewal Singers, I welcome you to What's New. My name is Ed Peters. We return today to Matthew chapter 17, moving on to verses 14 through 23. These verses deal with the healing of a boy with a demon. From the Gospel of Mark, we learn that when Jesus, Peter, James, and John returned from the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw a large crowd around the other nine disciples, even some teachers of the law arguing with them. Now, here is Matthew's account of this incident. When they arrived at the bottom of the hill, a huge crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Sir, have mercy on my son, for he is mentally deranged and in great trouble, for he often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Jesus replied, O oh, you stubborn, faithless people, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment on, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast that demon out? Because of your little faith, Jesus told them. For if you had faith even as small as a tiny mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move, and it would go far away. Nothing would be impossible. But this kind of demon won't leave unless you have prayed and gone without food. One day, while they were still in Galilee, Jesus told them, I am going to be betrayed into the power of those who will kill me, and on the third day afterward I will be brought back to life again. And the disciples' hearts were filled with sorrow and dread. Here in verse 22, Matthew gives us the second prediction of Christ's death and resurrection, the first being in chapter 16, verse 21. 
Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. When Jesus and three of his disciples came down the Mount of Transfiguration, they met a crowd which no doubt included the remaining nine disciples. A man approached Jesus from the crowd and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He is an epileptic and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus replied, O unbelieving and perverse generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. Matthew 17, 14 to 18. Here was a father whose son's body had a demon inside it. It evidenced itself in epileptic seizures. Epilepsy is not a result of demon possession. But in this special case, seizures were an evidence of the demon's presence. Jesus recognized this. The loving father had brought the boy to the disciples who had not been with Jesus on the mountain, but they were unable to heal the boy. Interesting. They had driven out demons and healed people before. Why not this one at this time? I'll come to that in a moment. Jesus' reaction? Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation. To whom did Jesus refer by that word generation? To the Jews of his day, including the ones standing before him? to all the people of his day, regardless of race? I suggest Jesus meant to include everyone of every generation who was guilty of the same unbelief and perversity. Evidently, those two words describe the character of the generation. Let's take those two words separately, unbelieving and perverse. Unbelief is more than just non-belief. It is a moral failure to recognize and receive revealed truth. I say moral failure because the unbelief is not due to the lack of evidence, but due to the volitional rejection of the evidence. Unbelief is when man, knowing the truth, deliberately turns from it. The evidence is rejected. Now comes the word perverse. That word, too, indicates a moral failure to receive and recognize revealed truth because the evidence has been deliberately perverted. The word pervert is made up of two words meaning to turn aside. Perversion is a willful deviation from what's true and right. The evidence is perverted. Such handling of known spiritual truth, that is, perverting and rejecting it, is painful to deity, to Christ. His two rhetorical questions imply as much. He exclaimed, How long shall I be with you? And how long shall I put up with you? I believe we humans play around too much with truth about God and the gospel given in God's word, the Bible. I'm reading an excellent book called, Is Jesus the Only Savior? I am amazed how loosely some Christians handle the Word of God. 
Some are well on the way to perverting it and rejecting it and replacing it with religious feeling, religious experience, personal encounter, human wisdom, or meditation. This generation is no different than the generation in Jesus' time. I wonder what Jesus would have said to this generation were he here today. Revealed truth in the Bible is mostly trivialized and often repudiated in our time. Some so-called thinkers tell us that God has not spoken in the past. Indeed, he cannot speak, and if he could, we humans could not understand him. We pervert the clear statement that God has spoken in the past through the prophets and through his Son and through the Bible. What man is currently doing to God's truth must deeply pain our Lord. Perhaps he would say to our generation too, how long shall I put up with you? Jesus drove out the demon and cured the man. Why couldn't the disciples, when they had been given the authority by Jesus and when they had done so before? Well, Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I want to suggest that little faith does not refer to quantity, but quality. When faith is little in quantity, as little as a mustard seed, it can do the impossible. Those words about moving a mountain are proverbial for doing the impossible. That word little in little faith refers rather to poor or defective faith. Therefore, it is not a matter of increasing the amount of our faith, of screwing up our minds and wills so we'll have more faith. It's rather to improve our faith. Our faith is too superficial. Why couldn't these men drive out these evil spirits? Perhaps because they were going to show off their power. Perhaps they were treating the authority they had been given as though it were a gift of magic. They were acting like magicians rather than disciples. Their faith was misplaced. Their faith was at best superficial and shoddy. The issue wasn't that they needed giant faith. They needed true faith. Without that kind of faith, it is impossible to please God. Here are the Renewal Singers. Like 
It's by faith that the mountains of life are removed, and by faith that you stand in the production of Creative Encounters or mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA.